welcome back to another episode of Blossom Down. We are your hosts. I'm Stephen Weed. We got Wally Lukashenski and, of course, Mr. David Klavan joining us. Before I toss it over to the boys, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market. T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure you use football as the promo code for 20% off that order as well as free shipping. Wally, I've seen you more recently than I've seen David, so I want to toss it in. David, how the hell have you been? I must have missed the blue memo uh, on the rundown here, so I apologize for the green hoodie. Uh, I've been pretty good. Can't complain. Um, just excited excited that we're uh, getting a taste of football again. And it's been about time, too. I know Stephen and I, we've been playing on for the last, like, six months going to a Hall of Fame game. So we were up in Canton for that brief little stretch to watch the Raiders play. Blast as always. Naturally, we'll have stuff filtering in and out of, of uh, Instagram this next week. We'll have more clips going there too. I know the guys and I were trying to figure out some issues on that end. Otherwise, uh, here as well, I had a wedding. That was fun. Congratulations to the happy Mr. and Mrs. Mock. And then naturally, as we've gotten into these now, I will have a hypothetical after we throw it over to you too, Stephen. So Stephen, no, you were in uh, Canton as well with me this last week. What's been going on with you, man? It was the Raiders and Jags. So it was perfect people watching weather because we had some interesting folk walking up and around. Even though I saw a lot of the Raiders, like the Raiders diehards in like their get up, we didn't see any of those at the game. So I was kind of upset, but I was seeing them all weekend during the ceremonies and whatnot. But I liked it. That was my first time in Ken. It was awesome. Shout out to, uh, what was it, Tim's? Was it Tim's restaurant, the seafood spot that we went I to? I literally have already forgotten it. I'm pretty sure it's Tim's because I'm like, this is the most basic name ever. Uh, it was good. They had Kino. It, kind of it was wrote, like wrote the most average up. restaurant I've ever been to in my life. Like literally, I like not one way or another. It was the what you would get average restaurant. Well, that sounds about right for Canton, Ohio. Well, exactly, David. You sprinkle in the Jags, Raiders fans, in with the locals of Canton, and that was arguably the best people watching spot there. But I went to two Columbus Clippers games in between or before and after. So I went to three straight uh, sporting events live. I'm just getting ready for football. We're now we're recording on a Thursday. We're four Thursdays away from the NFL kickoff. I cannot wait. And you're going to have to though for a minute, because I know you have a question first of all, for me, then naturally I've got a hypothetical to throw at you guys. I'll throw mine at first, make this simple. You can think on it. Give me your answer whenever you're ready. If you could go back in time, three separate times, no more, no less. Where would you go? How far back would you go? And what would you do while you're back there? And Stephen, while you guys at home are thinking about your answers, Stephen also has another question for us. Let's hear what that is. So I was telling the guys off camera, I thought, I thought about this when I was in the bathroom at work today. Uh, you can take that as however you want to imply it. David's still laughing at while he kind of rose to me when I said that off camera. But it got me thinking, you know, you have – do you wet the toothbrush Absolutely. before putting the toothpaste on? Okay. Do you put the soap on dry, then wash, or do you wet the hands and then put the soap on? Water first always. The guy next to me, was that was not the case. And I was like, that is psychotic. But I, I think see we're in the minority. A lot more than you think. Was, but, but alternative point of thinking here, did he one hand soap, the other hand wet? First no. and then put them together. Dry soap, clapped it together like he's fucking Jason Garrett after move. his team turned it over in the on, in the fourth quarter. 
just yep and then went in no, and we're talking like bar of soap right no 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 the foam stuff so okay you okay. can pass it away but still you yeah. can pass with that that's not but as I'm bad at you i got nervous when you started going into detail that he's got like a dove hand soap and he's just like he actually brought his own it. soap in which i which kind of threw me off the first uh first time i saw it that's even that's what? actually fuller like full image psychopath move all of that I know in theory it seems like, yeah, Dove, why would you not do that? But I've witnessed, he's not the only person I've witnessed do this in my office. So it's been throwing me off and it just came across. I'm like, you know what? I've seen one too many people do that in this office. I don't feel comfortable in my workspace knowing that's what people do to, to you know, be hygienic. Yeah, I, I don't like that. I, I, I could have gone without knowing about this guy. <laughs> One of Wally's trips back in time is going to be just living without knowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just see him on one. site. <laughs> I didn't mean to burn one uh, one of yours so quickly, Wally. I apologize. Well, yeah, I think that that's a collective one at this point. I mean, do you guys have answers right off the top of your head? Like, I have the obvious like sports ones, but I didn't know if you guys wanted to go a different direction. I'll give you. I'll give you my thirty second one. Uh, after thinking about it real quick, uh, one would be uh, going back to watch Frank Sinatra live. Like just, he's okay. like my all time favorite. So going back and, and watching him perform live, that would be one. The second I think would be going back in time to watch the Browns win a championship uh, with Jim Brown. Like just just my to man. know what it, what it feels like to be a winner. Uh, <laughs> And the third, I think, is all selfish greed. And I think I would go back in time. Uh, what was it, 2016, when Lester came from uh, the oh championship? Oh, my God, yeah. I think I would come, go back to the beginning of that Premier League season and throw my entire life savings on Lester and call it a day. <laughs> yeah, with, like, the Marty McFly book we were talking about last week, if you know the results. Wasn't it, like, 500 to 1 or 5,000 to 1? I think it was 5,000 to 1. Yeah, yeah, it's like it incomprehensible for North American sports fans. Yeah. They cuz like the Texans going into this year, I want to say are only like plus 500 to win the Super Bowl. Like that's how wide of the gap is from what Lester did to the idea of even the Houston Texans winning this Super Bowl this year. So that's a yeah. really good one. Steven, how about you? Do you have one off the top of your head? Um, cuz mine, I want to change history. That's what I got to be careful with with mine. Yeah, I'm a big, you know, shout out Aston Kutcher, Butterfly Effect. Uh, great movie that gave me a huge perspective on life. So now I understand what you're coming from. Why not, uh, as me as the music guy, go back to Woodstock? Fuck it. That was Ooh, that was when that's a good one. that genre of music was at its peak before it was kind of getting tampered with and all the different sounds were coming along. But just life is so different. People just casually, just basically naked jamming for like what two or three days not having any responsibilities um i kind of want to call you out david i'm very surprised that uh 10 cent beer night didn't come up on your uh on something i don't want to be go there back to. <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to die <laughs> oh come uh, on he's got to drink enough he'll be fine see like for me i kind of took a historical approach for a couple with you guys here where I think the the day that prohibition ended in North America, the bars must have been bumping. And but there I just were no like, bars. 
well, that's the thing. Speakeasies. That's the thing. Speakeasies were bars, but like just open up their doors that day. At least that's how I, I maybe I'm way off. Maybe I'm going to get back in time and be really pissed off when it's just I sit on my front lawn with a case of beer. But that was my first thought. And then two, you got to go for me. I think the day that America ended World War II, like we welcome back home our troops. Everybody on earth was happy that day, or at least in the United States, that would be a sight to be seen for at least 24 hours. And in my last one, I know it's butterfly effect and I know it's cheating, but I would just love to go back and see the trickling effect of me, Tanya Hardy, Harding, Tom Brady going into the talk rule game. Like <laughs> what would have changed? Do we never hear from the Patriots and Tom Brady again? Do we Find out the dude Raiders win the Super Bowl that year. Is John Gruden therefore still around longer? Like the fallout from that in the NFL scheme of things. Adam Vinatieri, we don't. I don't know the damn guy's name at this point. I probably don't even know who he is. I mean, there's so much that changes. But anyways, that that was mine for you guys. So what would what would you do to go back in time for the Tuck Rule game? Like, what would you do to drastically change that event? Are you going to be a streaker? No, that, that's my point. I will I will be there pregame because there's snow. They're not looking. I'll be all bundled up. I'll make sure I, I'm wearing, like, I don't know, maybe it's going to be, like, Hunter Orange. Like, I'm going to stand out on purpose. So it's like hiding in plain sight. And just like Tanya Harding, I'll just take a leather pipe to Tom Brady's knee when he's coming out of the, the tunnel. I'll go to jail. You take me right now. I just want to – I'll be in that Foxborough jail being like, Bledsoe's better. Bledsoe's better, and they won't have any idea that Brady actually should be the GOAT. That's a fair one, but what happens when the Raiders still don't win a Super Bowl after that? <laughs> that would be even worse because, what, the following week was against the Steelers. So I would have been in Pittsburgh to watch the Steelers beat the Raiders at Heinz Field, or it would have been in the Super from, Bowl. From a jail cell. From a jail cell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Cell. I'd still be in Foxborough. I'm not even that worried about it. <laughs> you're you're ridiculous. See, I don't even know what my other two are. I'm like going back and forth with a couple of things that I wanted. Obviously, like a huge sporting event, but you were I was on the same page as David. I kind of wanted to go back. That was way better. I was thinking of like taking a live bet on when the Colts came back against the Chiefs in like 2013. Yeah, when it was 38 playoffs. to 14. Yeah, something like that, like putting a live bet on there. The lesser city, yeah, you would. David would be on a yacht in the Virgin Islands if he was, uh, if you put money on that, he'd be sitting pretty. So I'm now I'm gonna have to kind of sit back and. Yeah, I was gonna say you think about it. You both come to me at the end of the episode if you guys have an epiphany throughout. David, yours is open too. We won't make you lock yours in until the end of the show. What's moving on to some NFL stories that we had this week? A little bit before we get into the NFC and AFC East predictions that we have here. Before I before we pop it over to the stories, we want you to know that this week's NFL news is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more. Especially for me, Wally and David's age, where it feels like there's a college graduation, engagements, weddings, baby pictures happening every single weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's A-B-B-E-Y or on her Instagram at Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. Football is back. Raiders and Jags open the preseason. We got to witness Trayvon Walker getting his first sack. 
a lot of playing time with the running backs here. I want to toss it to you, Wally. This was the first time, and I hope I'm not taking your thunder, first time Wally gets to witness the Raiders in their iconic black uniforms live. And if I'm not mistaken, the first win, too? Take it away, Walter. Yeah, it doesn't count. It's preseason. And that was definitely a nice little bump on yourself to get an early uh, little bit of credit for winning one of these uh, schoolyard pickums going into the, the offseason here for that anyways. Yeah, it was the first time I got to see a Raiders win. That was pretty cool. But, yeah, it was just more or less the – I'm when sorry. You get the, back up. Back up. That uh, was the first time you've ever seen the Raiders win live? Oh, oh, yeah. David. I had to tell him in person we were there. I'm like 0-7 or 0-8. No, okay, that's preseason. <laughs> yeah, so no, no, there were there were some tears streaming down, Wally. I don't I know it was raining. It was coming down pretty bad. There were some tears. I'm pretty you almost crashed on the way home because you're getting emotional talking about it. Yeah, I just wasn't able to, to handle from the preseason when you're right. Yeah, uh, I mean it was really cool because first of all, it's kind of a high school environment. I know Walsh University plays there, but it is really a high school environment that's just dolled up. Yeah. So to be that close and like pregame to watch Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, all those guys warm up, that was really cool. But at the end of the day, it was a glorified scrimmage. Right. And I, you keep that in mind. Yeah, I got to see him win technically, but really, no, I'm still 07088 and hopefully get to beat it this year i know for a fact i will be at heinz field or excuse me acrisure field on christmas eve for the raiders to hopefully get a win there so uh it, more coming but yeah it was a blast I'm, i really enjoyed being there for it amir abdullah on an nfl roster news to us uh yeah. but i think it was actually the three guys behind us that were like holy hell is that amir abdullah and i was like oh my god you're right so that the running backs were getting a lot of a uh, lot of playing time. Do you like McDaniel's throwing in these running backs to get the reps so early in the preseason? And I'll toss it to David on this because I don't care about you talking about your Raiders, Wally. Uh, I said it earlier, but he's just trying to find the best of the kids that failed. But to Wally's point, Zamir Rice probably going to be, you know, by the end of the season will probably be a, a three down uh, back, but. Uh, he's just uh, right now McDaniels is clearly just seeing who's who's got it who can see the holes and just move on from there well if it's going to be the true patriot way that McDaniels is bringing that that only means running back by committee just straight up so we shouldn't really be that surprised but I mean he's got four he's that's a good looking room to be honest mm -hmm. with you right you got you got Kenyon Drake already in there of course Josh Jacobs proven as long as this man can stay healthy now, you get, now you're going to add in Rice here, Amir Abdullah. I like the room that they have and with McDaniel's offense. They can really hum with having that and maybe taking a little bit of stress off the passing game, but we all know they're heavily, heavily going to rely on that all year. That's an interesting point that you brought up there to start that because I think that I had been thinking more along the lines of, of David until you brought that up That because Zamir Rice, to me, everybody since day one that this guy got drafted, he's impressed people in the Raiders organization, it sounds like it's very clear he's ready to be a feature back in the league. And there was a lot of rumors about Josh Jacobs getting moved this week. And even though McDaniels denied it, it makes you wonder if they are trying to move on from him just because they did go running back by committee. I think that also could be a little bill Belichick, 
but we'll see. I mean, you're right. This is a loaded room right now. Not only do you have Drake out of the backfield, even in a pinch, Amir Abdullah can kind of be a guy like that too. You imagine he won't be on that team, but that's also the fun part of this time of year in preseason. You get to see a lot of graveyard names you never probably will see again in a meaningful role. But that's interesting. I, I had not actually thought about that. David, what do you think? You think that they will go running back by committee? It's definitely interesting. If they're going to do it, Josh Jacobs uh, presents a pretty good, uh, you know, secondary option. Um, even Kenyon Drake out of out of the backfield is pretty good. But, you know, I, I could also see them ending up with just Zamir as a three down back. And then maybe, maybe having Josh Jacobs be like a goal line back. I, I just don't, I, I don't know. I, I The running back by committee thing is interesting because typically it's either you have in my head, it's three options, right? You have a really bad backfield and nobody really shines. And so you're playing a committee to see who's going to, you know, go out and grab it. Uh, or you have a situation like the Browns where you have two phenomenal running backs and you just, you can do whatever you want. You cannot uh, overplay either or, or you have the situation where kind of like, God, I don't know if this is going to be at the same period, but was it Lou Garrett Blunt and James White together? Yeah. Um, you know, you have you have specific role running backs that are really good as a power back or a receiving back, and that's where you see the dual committee. I just, I don't know. I think the the Raiders might end up finding out that that Zamir Rice is the the go to guy, and they end up playing him ninety percent of the time by the end of the season. Awesome nickname, not so awesome number. Thirty five for running backs, kind of an eyesore. Something that's, he needs to work on. That's a Peyton Hillis kind of kind of. Yeah, but when you got a nickname number. of Zeus as a running back, I'm rooting yeah. for him. But let's keep but, it right there in that area too, right down the road from Canton. Deshaun Watson and the Browns received news over the last several weeks from Judge Sue Robinson recommending a six-game suspension. Now, later, a few days after that, the NFL decided to appeal that suspension. David, I want to throw it to you first because there still is so much that is unknown. And this is your Browns team. Is this officially on just wrap it up so we know what we need? Or do you kind of want this to drag their feet now? Because now the Browns have a chance to have a, a fringe elite quarterback for the better part of the year. I'm I'm definitely on the side of I want this to be to be done and over with ASAP. Uh, the sooner that a final decision comes down, the sooner that, you know, all the Browns fans can put this shit behind us, whether it's a full season, whether it's 12 games, whether it's still six games. Uh, I think he's probably going to end up with 12 is my guess. But until that happens, all my predictions on this podcast are going to be based on a six game suspension. I think the NFL really screwed this up in a, in a lot of ways. Right. So if they were smart and they really, really wanted to invest in this new process right you would have done everything you could to put out into the universe that this was based on the god i think it was like three or five allegations not 24 right the nfl was only reviewing uh three or five cases right so so much smaller even though you know that out there there's 24 open civil suits there were it, I think it was five allegations that were brought in front of the NFL on this committee, five specific instances, right? So you go out there and you say, hey, here's what was brought to us, these five instances, like this is where we have substantial, um, you know, evidence, we have anything, anything that we could suspend them for, 
this is what we're reviewing it. It's only five cases. It's not all 24. Like you, you put it out there because on the off chance that something like what happened happened, which is he gets six games instead of a year, you come back and you say, Hey, that was based on five allegations. If we were handed more evidence, if we were handed new evidence, then we'll go back to the process. We'll re-review, right? So you, you fall back and you can still trust the process, but then because they didn't do that, now they're unhappy with six games, and now they screw themselves again because in the first year, the first case, this new process where they're relying on a third party, they don't even rely on the third party. They're they're going to go out and and go seek a full year or an indefinite suspension or whatever they want because the NFL has a major image issue because they suck so bad at punishing. They're so bad at it, and it's not hard. It's really not hard. Like you got you could have you could have fixed this problem 20 years ago and not dealt with the NFLPA like they're dealing with the NFLPA now. It, you know, you, you screwed yourselves for the last 50 years on punishment, and now you're paying the price. So I, I just, you know, they, they, screw, they continue to screw up religiously in the punishment department. And it's like, to fix it, you got to trust this new process. Because if you get past this Deshaun Watson thing, you can really fix the issue hey, third party taking care of it. This isn't on Roger Goodell anymore. Like this isn't, hey, weed gets you an end, a career-ending sentence and, you know, beating the shit out of your wife gets you uh, one game, right? Like, yeah, you have a bad case to start, but just you got you to gotta hold true to the new process to fix the problem. And if they're not going to do it, all they're saying is to future, uh, you know, future decisions is, hey, you know, that's nice and all, but, as the NFL, we're this one we might not agree with, so we're just going to do what we think is right. And that one, sure, we don't care. You know, it is what it is, right? So it's like, what are you doing? You're just screwing up left and right. Just stay out of it. Let the third party decide. Deal with the fallout for for a season. And if it truly doesn't work after four or five cases, pull it back, rethink it. Like it's just that simple. Well, you know they're really good at pulling back and rethinking it. To your point, David, that's something that we've been, we've all been complaining about, right? And of course, oh, this is going to be the time that they're going to get it right. Wrong. This is the most aggravating, annoying news to wait on because the past two months, it's breaking news. We might have Deshaun Watson suspension under breaking news. We think it's this. Breaking news. We think it's that. And now, right when we get a now, right when we get a ruling, of course, the NFL is going to come and appeal it. They're looking, they're looking for at least a one-year minimum or looking at indefinite. Just got an update maybe like a half hour before we started recording uh, through pro football talk that Deshaun Watson is would be okay with an eight-game suspension and a $5 million fine, and then call it a day. And now we have the Jimmy G story starting to come along. It's been a hell of a day for you, David. My God. Fuck Jimmy G. I, while you mentioned that, fuck Jimmy G. I'm so tired of Browns media and Browns fans. Quarterback going, wins, though. Let's bring in this super expensive quarterback to play for six games. Like, it's totally going to make a huge difference between Jacoby Brissett. It's, you know, Jimmy G is, he, he's average. He is average. And Jacoby Brissett in, in this, you know, in Stefanski's system can be that guy, too, for one-tenth the price. Like, I, why would you give up assets, which were already low on after the Deshaun Watson trade, to go get a guy who's going to start for you maybe for six games, maybe for eight, maybe for 12, and then what? Like, then you're just saddled with this guy who doesn't want, like, who wants an extension. What if he, like, you know, what if he, what if we trade for him 
and he doesn't want to play until he gets paid. Then what? Yeah, man. Well, then you're really fucked because right. you, you already have you already had Deshaun, Deshaun, Jacoby, Baker on the payroll. There's got to be another quarterback in there. Yeah, that's right. Josh Rosen. No. Yeah. Who else did you bring? Josh Rosen. That's yeah. four quarterbacks, and you're paying three of them not to play. Right. Oh man. That, actually, I didn't even mention Jimmy G. That'd be Jimmy. Jimmy G would be five. That's five fucking quarterbacks. You just One of those guys it. you're literally paying to play for another team. So. You know, <laughs> exactly. What is? Now, I just I don't year, think it's gonna yeah. happen. I think the Browns are smarter than that. But I I'm really tired of the Browns media and fans being like, "Go get Jimmy G." Like, no, fuck off, please. I know, just, you guys, no offense, you guys are so quick to forget about your quarterback woes up until Baker came. We're like, yeah, fuck it, we'll go get Jimmy G. No, yeah, we've seen talented rosters with the bad quarterback not pan out in Cleveland. That's you know they won't yeah. be as bad, but Jimmy G just isn't that guy. You're gonna put him in the AFC. You're not that guy, pal. I don't have anything to add to any of this. You guys kind of hammered it. The NFL is a joke. I'm excited for this to be over just so I don't have to talk about it anymore. Facts. Well, the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, finally gets down. He is suspended all the way through October, what, October 17th. They lose the 2023 first round pick. All in the tampering. And or we have a little bit of tampering. We have a little bit of tanking. Uh, based off what Roger Goodell quote there, quote, there's clearly no tanking ongoing here. But Ross, he wanted that shit to happen. He prioritized the draft position over the win-loss record. And the only reason that they didn't finish as bad as they did that season is because Brian Flores got them, got those boys to play. They started one and seven. I think they ended like eight and eight, seven and ten, something like that, or seven and nine, excuse me. Uh, so it's not like that did anything crazy, but the signs were there. You also have to look at they lost games to both the New York teams and Washington. Doesn't matter what year it is, they perennially suck at being football teams. But Steven Ross getting that suspension with this tampering. Well, I know you want to talk about this, but what do you think about the tampering? And of course, and of course the head coach having a response to it during a, during a presser. It's funny. You first of all started that with saying, well, I know you want to talk about this. I've never been more excited for an off season to end than this one. I'm it's just like every other week I have to talk about some other way the NFL screwed up and why myself as an NFL fan looks like an idiot for still following this league. The suspension doesn't mean shit. Owners being suspended doesn't mean anything. Dan Snyder's still operating owner of the Washington football team or commanders now, even though he's not. There are still like reports of him sending in stuff. They're getting stuff done that he wants done. That's going to happen. Are you really going to be the guy to say no to the billionaire that's in charge of the team that can hold your future in his hand? Of course not. Suspension means nothing. The only part of this that I think is fun to talk about is Bill Belichick now basically galaxy brain the situation where he sends one wrong text message. Oh, my bad, man. I thought that the other Brian got the job. Now a division rival doesn't have a first-round pick. I, I'm so excited, David. I'm throwing it to you now. I see your note here. Can you go into more depth? That looks amazing, and I hadn't thought about that. So uh, the funniest part about the whole thing is that they tampered with Sean Payton, who's retired and didn't come back to them, and Tom Brady, who there were rumors, but they never panned out. So they tampered with two guys who didn't end up on the roster, and now they lose two significant draft picks because of it, including next year's first, which for a team that could be 9-8, and 8-9, eight, eight and nine, somewhere in that range, could maybe have 10 wins. 
is a very, very important pick, like a very important pick because they're on the verge of either a great roster in the making or, you know, disaster, right? So it's just funny to me that like, you know, the two guys they they went all out for, they tampered with, they whatever, are, uh, you know, guys that didn't even end up on the roster, on the payroll. It makes it, it just makes the whole situation hilarious. And then the only significant thing I think that comes out of it and mostly having to do with maybe the Dolphins' future is that, you know, ignoring Stephen Ross's suspension, he was forced off of basically every committee in the NFL. So I don't really know how much of an effect that really has on the Dolphins, but let's just say that hypothetically that could give them some kind of persuasion in you know rulemaking in in how the finances go for teams and and whatnot like that's probably the only real significant news outside of the draft pick in terms of Stephen Ross but I just you know to to tamper for guys that you don't end up getting is alarming because it'd be totally different if it was like LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade pairing up in Miami, and that was tampering, right? Like then, then you've gotten, you know, yeah, everyone the first year might suck because everyone might be suspended, but at least you've got an unbelievable Hall of Fame talent, uh, talented roster, right? But no, you you lost everything for for nothing, <laughs> like for literally no benefit. Um, it's just that's funny to me. Whatever, fuck him. He's a billionaire. Oh, twist my arm. I'm a billionaire now, and I don't have to go to work till October. Oh, shit. Do that to me now. I'm cool with that, with just not being a billionaire. I'm barely a thousandaire. Like, I'm, I'll fucking do that right now. God. Hey, let's go over to a division rival of yours, Steven. Roquan Smith requested a trade out of Chicago this week, said that the new regime doesn't value me. Now, there's been a few things. Ignore this on here. There's been a few front runner, runners emerge themselves. But do you think that this new regime in Chicago will be willing to move on from Roquan Smith? Or do you think that they're just going to wait him out? They're obviously not eager to bolster the one side of the ball that could do anything, which would be the offense. It looks like they're just their defense is just so diminishing. You, you let go of Khalil Mack. And quite frankly, I don't know why Roquan's getting so disrespected. All he's done since he's entered the league is lead, lead the league in tackles. Yeah, that's over Bobby Wagner. Yeah, someone actually has Dean Throne dethroned him over the last four or five years he was like tied for fifth for interceptions amongst uh, amongst linebackers tied for fourth and tackles for loss uh and there was like another there's another stat i, I want to throw out there maybe sacks he was like tied for fourth or fifth as well so he, the dude's a stud and it's not like there's some scrubs above him you got your darius leonard your fred warners all above him the fact you don't want to keep this guy yeah i get he's in a contract here you're just kind of you're doing him wrong and as much as i want to see him out of not only Chicago, just my division, you have to pay this guy as a Chicago Bear. Yes, you have a quarterback on the offensive side. You need your quarterback on the defense. And Roquan, since day one, felt like he has been that guy, just maybe shouted by a little bit more veterans like a, you know, Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman or, you know, when they got Khalil Mack originally back then too. So I think they're really messing up if they let this guy slip through their fingers. And I love that he is not shy about turning down the first offer he sees and just going right to Twitter about it because Chicago, you need a game changer on that side of the ball. As dominant as your linebackers have been throughout the history of your organization, you're going to let one of them, potentially one of those guys who can finish top five in Chicago, you're just going to let them slip through your fingers like this. Blasphemy. 
So understanding those points, I think about it from a change of regime for Chicago. And, and I say that with this in mind, the most analytically focused teams in the NFL right now don't care about two positions, running back and linebacker. And I'll bet you, and I might be wrong on this, but I'll bet you going back until Ray Lewis and the Ravens, there's not a single Super Bowl winner with a top five to 10 paid linebacker on the team. Wait, are you going to use this as one of your uh, one of your times to go back in time to see if that's true? No, so at three. But so at three. I'm I'm interested in that statistic because if you look at the way the NFL has changed, just from an analytical perspective, if that's where the Bears are really going, if that's like what the front office is about as analytics, then probably a wrong move to super low ball Roquan Smith, but probably a smart move to not give him a long term huge max, you know, reset the market for a linebacker contract. If I were the Bears, I'd probably try and find something in the Nick Chubb contract, you know, relative to a linebacker range where you're paying a guy for maybe three years instead of five to six and you're front loading it. You're getting out of it late if you need to. But let me cut you off and ask you a question. This goes for both of you. I see you commented here, David. I wrote down there's been a lot of noise, especially out here around Pittsburgh, because they have a gaping hole at linebacker because Devin Bush forgot how to play football as soon as he got to Pittsburgh, apparently. And they brought in Miles Jack. It's a position they're in love with in Pittsburgh. They now have a wide receiver room that is loaded, but a bunch of quarterbacks that they're not sure if they're going to be able to get them the ball. If you're able to make it financially make sense, if you're the Steelers, why not send Chase Claypool and Devin Bush and just wait back and say, We'll take Roquan Smith. We're really believing in George Pickens and this offense can still make it happen. I think for the, for the, it's a great short-term move. It's a really dumb long-term move for the Steelers, in my opinion, because if I'm a Steelers fan right now, or I'm in management, I'm thinking about this team from a, what if these quarterbacks, like if, if Pickett doesn't pan out, if Mitch Trubisky is who we all know Mitch Trubisky to be, which is, you know, average at best. And, you know, what are you going to be? You're going to be in a division that's, that has now three drastically better rosters than you, um, especially on offense. You're, you're at, at eight and nine, you're probably the fourth in the division in that division. So like, that's where you're setting yourself up to be with mediocre quarterback play in a phenomenal defense in, in today's NFL. So you go out, you get a top five linebacker to add to your, you know, on paper, top five defense. If you pay him, you're taking away, not only did you just trade assets, like even if they don't give up pits, you, you picks, you trade Claypool, right? So you're trading offensive assets, or if they give up picks, future assets that you'd likely spend on the offensive side of the ball. And you're getting back a defensive player that's going to help you during a time where you don't have a quarterback and you don't really have Super Bowl hopes. So you're just going to screw yourself out of draft position to get better on offense. Uh, It just doesn't, 
short term makes great sense for a team that wants to be competitive and has never really been terrible for the last 30 years. But I just, I don't, it doesn't make sense to give up any kind of assets on, like, especially on offense. You want to give up maybe some defensive assets for it. Great. That's probably a smart move. Uh, They could probably upgrade as long as you don't give up Minka or TJ Watt. But I just don't, if you're giving up offensive assets like Chase Claypool or draft picks, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It just, you know, you're getting stronger on defense in an offensive football league. We clamp onto the offensive side of the ball when at the end of the day, defense does wins championships. Now that offense is not winning regardless of what that defense looks like, but it's not out of Pittsburgh's realm to do this. A couple of years ago, they did it to a, a guy named Mika Fitzpatrick, if that means anything to anyone right now. So they're able to take that risk, but Wally, I like your, I like that. That was the, that was the name that came up under me. Uh, you got Chase Claypool, who's going to be looking for a contract here in the next couple of years. You just got George Pickens and locked down Deontay Johnson. Why don't you send Devin Bush? Maybe maybe you can send like a second or a third round so you still have that first or something along those lines because Najee Harris, he's not due for a contract for a couple more years. You got a, you know, you got Kenny Pickett there who's not going to be due for a contract for a couple years. Mitch Trubisky's never going to be expensive. <laughs> and my God, Mason Rudolph is still on a roster. That blew my mind more than, than finding out Amir Abdullah is still in the league. The thing that that won't make sense, and if it works, and kudos to them, they have the most expensive roster on the defensive side of the ball at $125 million. You're gonna have to move someone who has a large capital, but you're not you're not gonna want to move on from TJ Watt. There's no way he just led the league in sacks. He just broke the record or tied the record. There's no way to move it off from him. But you gotta find it and make it work somehow. Well, maybe it's like a combination of kind of what you and Wally said. Maybe they make that movement a little bit smarter with some draft capital, but they re-sign them to that more lucrative Nick Chubb deal, right? Where it's a three-year, it's gonna, it's smart on theirs. He he gets his money. He doesn't have to worry about the market being reset for linebackers and it's still in a good place. He gets his money and he's still gonna have, and if he has a solid day or a solid up, you know, career with the Steelers, he's gonna he's gonna be lined up for another payday. Dude's only 25. And a couple things here is that, first of all, if Chicago did decide that they were going to entertain trades, to me it has to be you attack the wide receiver position, find some help for Justin Fields. And the reason the Steelers hung out to me is kind of a a funny way to get back to David's point in in a weird way. I don't believe that the Steelers organization has had a decently run, at least player personnel perspective in the last five, ten years. I feel like Big Ben has, at least until his last two years in the the league, I think he has hit a lot of problems similarly to Aaron Rodgers hiding problems in Green Bay. It's a team that now we've seen divulge asset after asset into their defense, neglect their offensive line, then decide two consecutive years to draft a running back in the first round and then take a quarterback in the worst quarterback class in probably 15 years in the first round. And there's a very real chance a large part of that has to do with he played in the same stadium. He has the same fan base and they catered to public opinion. So I think that this is a fan base that again might cater to public opinion. And this is the Yinzer country of the world that expects you to give up 14 points to win game 17-14. And they're still going to believe defenses win championship and 
football is different. Don't think that it's a good trade necessarily if I'm a Steeler fan, but I just think that's right up their MO. I hope the Bears aren't the analytical team that David was saying because this offense is horrible. Those receivers, what is analytical about that outside of Darnell Moon, and he's kind of a stretch as well. And Cole, I'll give Cole Komet. I'll shout him out. Let's keep going otherwise because we still have – we didn't tell you guys at the top of the show – we're going to be doing an AFC East and NFC East preview. If no, you I did, did. You did. I just don't listen to Steven, so we'll we'll keep uh, going on here with one of those. Oh, teams. so if I don't listen, I get dogged, but we'll just let it slide. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Well, we're okay. gonna have Blue to Man get to like give you. Against me. <laughs> well, well, let's get into one of those teams right here. At least Makai Becton this week fractured his kneecap, which is arguably one of the most painful injuries in the world from people that have gone through it. And just fuck that is the only way I can say it. That's Wait, miserable. That? Did you ask if I've done that? Have you gone through that? I could, my knees, I don't move fast enough to make it possible. I'd have to be physically hit by a car for my kneecap to break. I could jump out of a plane and I don't know if I'd catch enough speed going down to break my kneecap. I I think that you'd get to know. Yeah. I'd hit terminal yeah. uh, velocity pretty quickly. I'll, dro- they- I'll drop you out of my two-story townhomes. I think my townhome, I think that's enough velocity right it, there. It might be. <laughs> but they they did sign Dwayne Brown to a two-year deal. I want to say it was two years, 11 per. And it makes an offense go from potentially scary if Zach Wilson can, cl- can click to now offensive line you at least have a little concerns. Dwayne Brown's not the youngest guy in the world. What did you guys think about this? Is this more Obuhu Makai Becton, or is this derail a possibly special year for the Jets? I don't think the Jets are having a special year. Uh, personally, I think it's just sad to hear because it sounded like Becton was finally getting it together. And uh, and it's just it's tough news because you don't want to see that happen to young guys who are, you know, getting it right um in training and and putting it together and now he's going to have to work, you know, twice, three times as hard just to get back to the position he was at this offseason, which is, you know, trusting your body and and working and getting better. And and that's that's going to be a long recovery process. And especially with his weight issues, you know, it's going to be tough for him. Like he's going to have to work twice as hard. And it's it's heartbreaking when you when you see a young should be star this kind of happening to him in the league. And I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir when I say this, talking to you, Wally, because you've had a man crush on him since the day he's gotten drafted, since back in his college days. But he was only he was only able to play in one game last year. He's going to miss the whole season this year. And the dude's an absolute stud. Uh, so it it sucks. That is someone that the Jets clearly need. Dwayne Brown, five-time Pro Bowler, is not a bad addition. But clearly, as Wally put it, just a, just a nice Band-Aid. For the next couple of years, you know, if it pans out, maybe you have a bunch of studs on that O-line and and maybe this win total goes up like half a game next year. Highly doubt that. I do want to say Robert Sala's presser about Makai Becton was awesome. Standing behind him, you know, kind of showing his support. You know, we love him. You know, we're going to come back here and work. And then Makai's response on Twitter, like, hey, I love you, coach. Can't wait to come back stronger next year. You know, the generic stuff. But with a guy who's played one game underneath this head coach and to already have kind of that respect. We all know that's what Robert Sala was going to have. He's like that Dan Campbell. If you watch hard knocks, you have to, he's just one of those guys that makes you want to run through a brick wall every time he talks. So you love seeing this. And honestly, hopefully this isn't going to 
derail the Jets too hard where it's going to end uh, Sala's coaching career a little bit too early. Head and coaching career, I could say. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the press conference too because that is the generic response. But a month ago, Robert Salah was actually highly critical of him saying he still has time to get in the camp shape. And that's not like typically what a head coach says when they're trying to protect a player. He was calling him out. And the fact that he has hit camp hard, he's lost weight. When he finally, this did happen. I think the team has finally seen that love for football that I'm going to take care of myself. And if this unfortunately is what it takes to really put into his mind that it is so important for me to take care of my body. They'll be happy five years down the line. It's just, it's going to be really hard, especially with the the history he has. Debo Samuel finally strikes a deal joining the wide receiver summer of the ages here, three years up to 73 and a half million dollars with 51.1 million dollars guaranteed fully at signing. Jimmy G is not going to be there. We don't know about Trey Lance. Is Debo Samuel going to be the guy, though, that can help Trey Lance kind of naturally transition from Jimmy G, not really fall off from a Super Bowl contender aspect at all? That's 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 kind of a stretch. I'm not – I wouldn't put it on – it's going to be Kyle Shanahan that's getting Trey Lance ready, right? Same reason that we're going to – we saw the production that Debo had last year. Um, he's been a stud, obviously, since 2019. You could take this as you want. He leads, he leads uh, in rushing yards by a receiver since he's since he's entered the league. But during that time, he's like not even top ten in touchdowns. He's what tied at 11th. Yes, with with Amari D Hop and Deontay Johnson, but he's 23rd in receiving yards. He has less than Julio, which he's been so injury plagued the last two years. He still has less than Julio Jones. He has less than Robert Woods. Dude's had a torn ACL. Uh, Allen Robinson, dude played for Chicago, which you might as well just be tearing your ACL. There's no reason to be playing uh, in the Chicago offense. So I'm, is he worth the contract extensions? My number one question, because I've never been a huge advocate of one great year. We have to sign into a, to whatever the, the wide receiver minimum is now after this off season. It, it has me kind of scratching my head. If it's not longer, it should be a little bit less money, but I don't know. I I'm on the fence. I don't know what to fully think about it. Here's the interesting piece, right? So, so he was complaining that he, he didn't want to play running back if he wasn't going to get the contract, right? Because he knew that that would end his career earlier. What's interesting, if I recall correctly, is the incentives, almost all of the incentives that aren't guaranteed are all rushing incentives, if I recall correctly. What's also interesting about his contract is he might be getting paid like a top receiver, but it's only a three-year deal. It seems to me that what we were talking about earlier with Roquan is what they kind of did with Debo, which is, hey, we're going to use you on 50% of our offensive plays and we're probably going to beat you into the ground. So here's your money for three years and we'll reevaluate whether it panned out for us or not. He's a straight athlete. He, he can run, he can receive, he can probably kick return really well. I think he's going to put up the similar production that he did last year. Um, I don't know if it'll be better or worse, but it'll probably be similar. So paying a threat like that, probably smart, but even more smart that it's only three years. 
can one of you actually answer a question that I was thinking about? Because this is a three-year deal, and that's a very good point because they are going to use and abuse him. But if he stays at the level he's at right now after three years and they franchise tag him, is it go by percentage of snaps to figure out what position they're tagging you for? Because if they, let's say, use them about the same as they did last year, and it's a lot closer, and he's out of the backfield more than he's out of slot, is he all of a sudden franchise tag as a running back? That's, That's interesting. I don't know. It just hit me earlier, and I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's stumping you guys a little here too because that would probably get him to lock out Le'Veon Bellway or, like, or the Le'Veon Bellway where he's just like, that's fine. I'm not going to play. But it would be interesting if the 49ers would be willing to be ballsy enough to go to him and say, hey, we're giving you franchise tag running back numbers. Have we I ever had a good, though? Because like this, though? I, I think, think you have. both asked the same question at the same time. Has this ever happened before? And I don't think it has. I don't think it has. Well, I mean, it's something that if anybody at home figures it out or knows. Bell's the closest you're getting, and it's like the exact opposite scenario. And I don't – it's based on – is it based on snaps or is it based on your your uh, position, like your submitted position with the league? Yeah, like your designated position, I think, is what it's going to be under, I would assume. Because it's all – the caps, the, the, the franchise tag is based on – top five salaries of that player, like an average of the top five salaries of the position, right? Yeah. So yeah, top five, top ten, something like that. Oh, unless well, he, they Jamal unless Adams. the 49ers ran him more than he had receptions. And or maybe a play-based thing where he was out of the backfield more than he was outside. I don't know if they could make the argument to give him the running back tag over the receiver tag, but I don't know. Like that's an interesting question because there's a lot of like intricacies with uh, the tags and stuff like that. Yeah. The only player that jumped to my mind was perhaps, or perhaps Jamal Adams because of how often he came and played as a box safety. If they could have argued that perhaps he was a linebacker in usage, but I, I don't know. I, I think that that would probably be even more of a stretch because you'd imagine he'd still play, a decent percentage more at safety. That's just an idea. Yeah. Or Jabril Peppers, would he be franchise tag as a kick returner if he played in uh, Cleveland? That'd be interesting. Give him a million dollars. I was going to say he's like 30 yards off the ball. It just felt like he should get pump returner <laughs> franchise money. That's the Greg Williams special. <laughs> well, then our last one here of our uh, current events this week, James White, he retired today on Thursday, three-time Super Bowl champion, and I'm sure everybody at home remembers very well the Super Bowl performance he had against the Falcons, where, frankly, he was robbed of a MVP. I think Warren Sharp said that earlier on Twitter, but yep. it's just perfectly sad. That was his award. Even the game-winning touchdown in that game, crazy that he kind of got overlooked, but that's the Brady effect, right? I'm kind of sad to see him go because he's a fantasy football PPR legend. I mean – a constant undrafted free agent that you pick up in the middle of the season to get you 10 to 15 points a week off of three catches for 30 yards and, and a touchdown. Wasn't it Julian Edelman that won that MVP? And I think he only won it because of that damn catch he had. It might've been, I, I just knew it wasn't right? him. Yeah. I, I actively think that's blackout Patriots Super Bowl wins. 
you must have blacked out a lot during your teenage years because they were there yeah. all the fucking time unfortunately uh yeah james white talk about running back in committee he's one of like the six running backs that we know just from the last two years and in the system and dude dude is a stud surprisingly only been in the pro bowl once you know he was his usage was awesome i never heard him complain about his usage on like debo samuel uh, but in the Super Bowl, 20 touches for 139 yards and three touchdowns. Like Wally said, that game-winning touchdown in overtime. What was it? 14, what, 14 catches for 110 yards. That's where the bulk of his production came from. But dude was that team for that comeback. And it was phenomenal. He got robbed. Speaking of getting robbed as well, David and nope. I, David and nope. I got robbed of our jersey picks. So people at home obviously didn't show up because I thought for sure that was mine when we looked back and it turned out to be Steven getting the win, which is the worst part of it all is that that's going to be the last one we do over the the summer because now we're getting into football previews. That feels so sick that he won on that, but it's fine. I digress. Um, Congrats to Steven. Congrats to you. You have the most boring jerseys on there. I'm I'm mad at the fan base. I, I, I did not expect to come in third with those jerseys, but whatever. I'll, it, yeah. so, I'll soak it. Right? We all got a win out of that. I'll pretend like David's was uh, not a shared victory with me, but hey, yeah, yeah, and we all got a win. Banners fly forever, though. Well, well, wait. So you got a point five. Someone in here has only a point five. Then that's what I'm saying. I was talking about David. He got the first one we tied. Second one I won, and then third. Uh, Unfortunately, Steven got the W there. Yeah. Welcome to the pod, David. Here's point five. <laughs> well, we're going to 911 rapid fire right now. And this week, for the love of God, we are going to rapid fire this because yeah, we still have our previews for the AFC East and NFC East. We're going to start here. Hall of Fame class of 2022. Retroactively, what were your guys' thoughts? I loved it. I love watching Richard Seymour because that was someone that I remember kind of growing up and seeing the tail end of his career on those dominant uh, Patriots defenses. Got got the girlfriend to cry a little bit too on, on a uh, on a Saturday afternoon. Was it? Yeah, Saturday afternoon. So it's anytime I can get the girlfriend to watch football and she's engaged, I love it. Shout out to my boy Leroy Butler, the creator of the Lambeau Leap, getting into the Hall of Fame as well. I I, if I'm being honest, this class does nothing for me. It's it's. It's maybe the most non-sexy, boring class of the last, like, 10 years. I, I, it just does nothing for me. There's nobody in there that gets me excited. Not saying they don't deserve it at all. Just saying there's nobody in there that gets me excited. That's kind of that's kind of how you're coming off, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, it, was, it wasn't sexy. It wasn't a yeah. sexy class. No. Like, no. you didn't have that. It's a deserving class, but it's not a sexy class. Yeah, it's not yeah. your Jerry Rice is going to go into this class or John Madden's going in. It was kind of meh. Right. But I did enjoy seeing Cliff Branch's family get to light the Al Davis torch before the game this last week. Paul Brown Stadium is dead. Welcome to Paycor Stadium, which means, guys, we got some awesome Steelers-Bengals matchups in the next 10 years, whether it be Paycor or Acrisure. What are you thinking? They sold the rights so that they could pay Joe Burrow. That's what I'm thinking. That's what Amen. I'm thinking. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't care for for stadium names, but both of the Steelers and the Bengals have now maybe the worst stadium names in the sport. <laughs> yeah, it this, makes, this it's is, his own dad's name. I know. 
This he is sold uh, out his yeah. father for Joe Burrow. That's got to, I mean, that's got to be a positive sign for Bengals, right? This is, uh, how's your dad feel about it, Wally? He said the exact same thing David said. He said, this isn't selling out the name. Paul Brown would be happy to do it himself if he was still alive. It's Joe Burrow time. Hey, you got to get that money. Uh, uh, my company just switched from Paycor to, uh, over to Workday uh, as our payroll system. So uh, I'm kind of pissed because maybe we could have gotten a hookup on Bengals tickets uh, just going down a little bit. Uh, side Killing note, Paycor, core of the jungle. Huh? Huh? It's like cores like that means like the middle, like terrible. an apple core. J.K. Dobbins is off the pup lips. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him, huh? Yeah, it's not surprising. I think we all expected him to be ready for week one. <laughs> I love it because J.K., when Ian, Ian Rappaport had originally tweeted out that he was starting on the PUP list and he's not likely to be in week one. So J.K. kind of clapped back at him. He's like, well, that's news to me. I'll be there week one. So I like to see this kind of follow through. And I always like when the when the popular you know NFL insiders and the players kind of have a joking going at it. So uh, they need this more than ever. It's the first of hopefully many for the Ravens for these guys to get off the PUP list, injury reserve, stuff like that. Let's keep in AFC North. Kickers had a big week, starting with Ravens. They extend Justin Tucker for four years, and he's only 32 years old. The guy seems like he's still getting better. Last year, he had a 66-yarder. And then you have the Steelers extend Chris Boswell as well. He's also young, 31 years old, for four more years as well. Really starting to turn into the kickers division here. David, when are you going to get one? I wish anytime soon at any point ever uh, since we lost Phil Dawson. But uh, I mean, it's a big week, but I mean, both these guys deserve it. You could make an argument. I mean, Joe, Justin Tucker is probably the best kicker to ever exist right now. And uh, he's going to play for another 10 more years. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. And then Boswell, you know, you can make an argument. He's top three, most reliable kicker in the NFL. You could really make that argument for, for him and the Steelers, like you, I have no doubt when he's getting ready to kick that he's going to make it. There's only maybe three to four guys in the NFL I can say that for, and these two are two of them. So I, obvious smart moves by the teams. I'm upset by it because it just means I get to watch the Browns lose on a last second field goal for years to come. It's funny watching all the wide receivers money just getting thrown around this offseason with all the contracts, it getting reset, stuff like that. Just to see Justin Tucker to become the highest paid kicker in NFL history, and that's at a $24 million contract. Uh, 17 mil guaranteed. Shout out to him and Chris Boswell, because Boswell had, he was a 5 mil annual salary. Then Raymond got that, like you said, Wally. Justin Tucker beats him at a 6 mil annual salary. So, again, it's hilarious because we know no one wants to pay kickers like that. No one's ever kicker contracts are never going to be ridiculous it's just so funny just seeing the clear difference of here's a wide receiver and then yeah sure here's yeah here's some chump change to go kick the ball and and set records and thanks for that i think the 20 the 17 mil guaranteed is strictly because they didn't lose the lines that uh what week two week three i'm i'm kind of shocked and not to take away from the rapid fire aspect but i'm kind of shocked that at that low of a con like of a contract value you wouldn't just fully guarantee justin tucker like like what, what, you know, what does it matter at that? That's what you're, that's half of what you're going to end up paying your running back for a quarterback. Like, I, you know, that's per season. Like that's half of his whole contract is half of what Lamar will hypothetically make in a season. I just don't know why you wouldn't fully guarantee that and, and just make your kicker happy and call it a day. Not that he's not, but 
you know. Why risk it? Why, right. why have risk anything at all? Yeah, you're right. He's right, not like for 24 million, risk. just fully guarantee it. Who cares? Like it's you, 24 million yeah. in the NFL. That is nothing. That is it, absolutely nothing, especially for the best kicker of all time. Well, and you know, certain guys have that risk of regression. Like Boswell has at least a year where he was really bad out of nowhere and he was great the rest of it. But like Justin Tucker's never really had that. So I wouldn't be opposed if I'm the Ravens, not only to just guarantee it, I thought it was still a deal, all things considered. I mean, you're paying for guarantees, guaranteed three points, guaranteed extra points. Raiders legend Antonio Brown had at least shared meme uh, or a meme about his in his retirement. Steven, do you by chance have that up in front of you where you can read that off? Absolutely. I did, I had to do research on this. I'm like, is this real? Because I went right to AB's Twitter account and lo and behold, there it is. Uh, this is Antonio Brown talking about his biggest regret during his NFL career. Quote, my biggest regret in my career doesn't involve calling my GM a cracker or showing up to Raiders camp late in a hot air balloon with frozen feet. That's two shots right off the rip to your Raiders. Uh, or throwing rocks at the UPS driver. I don't remember that one. So that's that was that's when awesome. he was falling off the face of the earth. I think he was already cut by the Patriots at that point. Was he just like a fucking house dog and doesn't like when the UPS guy comes? He starts throwing rocks at Tom at Tom Brady's house. Um, and it definitely and it definitely doesn't involve taking my shirt off and doing a victory lap around the Jet Stadium mid game while throwing up deuces. This guy just gets cooler by each sentence. My biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me, Antonio Brown, if you weren't clear, uh, play a game live. Sure, I can watch the game afterwards, but I can't imagine what what that was like for you all to see something like that, like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at the Red Rocks. Uh, end quote. I didn't realize Jesus performed at the Red Rocks. That does sound like a hell of a concert to go to. Maybe get him and the Beatles as like a guest appearance. This is amazing. Brett Favre said he had thousands of concussions in his career. AB literally is brain dead. He's brain dead. Vitanze, however you say his name, perfect, literally ended this dude's brain. Like, screw career. (laughs) He ended his brain. I haven't seen a legible thought from Antonio Brown since before that hit. I don't know if you guys have seen him, like, trying to get his rap career going up. That's also gold, just golden videos that you're looking at. What, yeah, people are started doing it ironically and just making fun of him and mocking him with it, which I like a lot. But the, this dude is so ridiculous. He somehow keeps finding the way to have his name circled around the media and in the NFL. I don't understand. And if he wasn't, obviously, if he wasn't as talented, he would not even be a blip on anyone's radar. But it's because we all know what he was doing and how dominant he was. It gives me a headache to talk about, which is fitting because it kind of it all stems. I mean, he from... lives with a constant headache. You exactly. just know that he's the CTE has absorbed his brain. He doesn't even feel it anymore. It does. Is it really a headache anymore? Well, he starts freaking out if he doesn't feel headaches. He's like, "Shit, I need to go ram my head in the wall, and then I'll go tweet <laughs> something about me regretting about not watching myself in the football football God. career." He's just such a a case of what could have been had we maybe wore those ridiculous helmet guards a little earlier. But just a few other big injuries people aren't talking enough about, at least in my opinion. Cowboys receiver James Washington, he broke his foot. He's going to be out the first six to ten weeks of the year. 
And then, David, you're a kick returner, pro bowler, too, I believe, Jakeem Grant. He tore his Achilles the other day. And it sounds like he was having an awesome camp and is likely done for the year. What, what can you say that's going to do for your guys' team this year? That hurts, but, you know, it just takes us back to Felton kick returning and punt returning. And, you know, it's it's average at best. It's mediocre most of the time. So not ideal. You'd, you'd love to be able to say, you know, as as weird as it sounds, an extra like 10, 10 yards from Jakeem Grant on a kick return on a punt return makes a massive difference in field position. You know, I, it's kind of depressing. The Browns haven't had a kick return game since Josh Cribbs when it was in his prime. Really? Um, it, it, they just they've haven't had a real, really good kick returner, in my opinion. And, oh, I thought you said they haven't had a kick returned. And I was just like, uh, that's well, I don't insane. know if they have. I don't know if they have had a kick return since Josh Cribbs. I really don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I that's why I stopped one. when I mean, you said that. I can't remember one. I'm not saying it didn't happen in the random game where maybe we played, you know, the you lose 38 to 10, or something, you know, but like, you had a kick return. Yeah. I, it's just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even remember the last time I watched a kick return from the Browns. So it might be since the Josh Cripps era. I doubt it is. I'm sure there's one random punt return in there mixed in. Um, but I just like, it was, you know, I got excited to watch a real kick return and punt return team and, and, that just sucks. It just sucks to lose a guy that's got Pro Bowl talent um, and can it can make a legitimate difference where most people don't see it. So we're going to jump now into our AFC and NFC East previews. So leading up into the regular season, we're going to be taking two divisions each week, one AFC, one NFC from the same region. We're going to let you guys know their team over under predictions from Vegas, what our thoughts are from them and anything we want to keep an eye on with specific teams. So we're going to start with the worst in each uh, conference and work our way to the division winners. So we're going to start in the AFC East, which means we're going to start with the New York Jets. Their total is actually lower than I expected going in. It is actually set at five and a half. David, I know that you were actually a little lower all this time. So you look right, and I want to hear it from you first. What is it about this team? Are you going over under the five and a half? And what do you like or hate about it? I'm going under the five and a half. I think I have them winning three or four games this year. And it's it's solely because of my lack of faith in Zach Wilson. I don't think he's the guy. I think maybe he looks like maybe he looks like he can be league average. And I've said that a lot today in this podcast, but we talked about a lot of average quarterbacks today. Uh, you know, you're I just don't I don't think he's got what it takes in in as a quarterback. I don't think that draft class was as good as what it was sold as originally. Um, I don't think the roster is really that good outside of their draft picks that they got um, this year. Like I love Sauce Gardner, love Garrett Wilson. Just I like Brees Hall at running back. I'm just not. I don't know. I'm not thrilled. There's nothing on this this team that gives me thrill that tells me, hmm, you know what? They can go out and beat good teams, right? They can go out and win seven games, six games. Uh, I just, you know, I, I think five and a half is probably a really good over under because it, it'll really make you think. But at the end of the day, I think they end up winning four games. This after all the hype, like kind of, you know, Walter, Walter and I are to blame for that is when we saw this five and a half, you look at their schedule, you're like, I, I, I can't see it. You know, I think Wally's like right on the nose and you can take, you can flip one of those games and all of a sudden you're losing because there's a lot of coin flips 
within this. You know, they're playing the Jags. I think at one point it's the Jags. It's like the Jags, Seahawks, and Lions that they play consider like three straight weeks or something like that. So it's going to be the bottom of the barrel versus the bottom of the barrel um, with a little bit of teams looking a little bit more attractive than than the other. A, a middle-of-the-pack defense overall, but a horrific rush defense last year that they didn't really seem that they, you know, seem like they addressed here. Cool, you got edge rusher Jermaine Johnson. That's awesome. He fell too. He was a steal. That's not going to help the rushing game there. They're just going to blow right past you in the middle. C.J. Mosley can't play a goddamn game for the Jets. It feels like he's out every other week, if not eight weeks at a time. Rough schedule overall with some good matchups late in the season. That's going to kind of mess with you a little bit and make you sit on the edge of your seats. But they had the ball ran, ran against them in a league high 525 times. One of four teams that give up 2,300 plus yards rushing. I, I just don't see it. I like the offense and what it could be but they haven't done anything they haven't done enough on the defensive side of the ball that I think I have them I have them winning five games just a hook uh keeping us alive here I have them just ahead of you I have them at six wins just on the over a big reason for me is just that again the draft class was unbelievable they might have got three or four guys at the positions in the first three rounds that were the best available at that position going into the draft you don't get to do that every day now and then and really get hung up on an over under at five and a half, but David's right. Until Zach Wilson can prove it to us, there's no reason that, that, that they are going to hit the over love the line. Makai, Makai, my guy, Makai Becton is a big reason for me being a little lukewarm on this. I do think it's going to be a coin flip. I, I do think I'm going to take the over though largely because of those late season matchups Steven was talking about. But the Miami Dolphins, their win total is eight and a half. They were second from the bottom last year. Huge offseason. Huge offseason. So when you see a total of eight and a half, really had me thinking twice. Steven, we'll start with you this time. You think that this is going to be pretty easy, don't you? I've been very, very high. Uh, mostly on the Dolphins. Sorry, I should have clarified that. Uh, I've I've liked them a lot this this past offseason. What they've done, who they brought in, um, obviously getting Tyreek Hill is a huge plus. Talk about running back by committee. They got about four or five guys that can easily start on an NFL roster. Where they're thinking that the starter last year may not even make the roster this year. In Miles Gaskins, with just how much pure talent they have, and it, it helps that the pieces that they have are going to be well informed about the Mike McDaniel offense for the most part. I like this over. Um, I think I think it's a cakewalk. First four weeks will be interesting to see what they have to deal with. You got the Pats, Ravens, Bills, and Bengals. You can sprinkle in the Vikings, the NFC North, essentially. You have a game against the Texans. You got to play some of the West teams here. So it's going to be hit or miss. But with how high I have been on them and what I think that offense will do, I'm going to take the over eight and a half. And again, I think that's an absolute cakewalk. Oh, sorry, I'm taking wait. the under. And and I think they're going to be – I have them at eight and nine um, based on how I looked at their schedule. I I think everyone is overhyping the Dolphins a lot. I love the Dolphins as a franchise for, for obvious reasons, but I think – I don't believe in Tua. He hasn't shown me anything that screams that he's, you know, going to turn this team from the – you know, from the one and seven, Brian Flores has to come in and save the day uh, with offensive schemes team to some this 10 win offensive powerhouse. 
Uh, I think Tyreek Hill is a phenomenal player. I could see him taking a significant drop off without a gunslinger like Pat Mahomes and a phenomenal wide receiver and running back room that gives him one-on-one matchups every day. I just, I, they're going to be good, but not, I don't think they're going to be great. I, I have them at eight and nine. I, they didn't add enough this off season that makes me go, you know what? That team is definitely going to win nine or 10 games, right? Like I could see them losing really easy games within their own. Like I could see them losing to the jets and a team that's going to lose to the jets and be a 50, 50 for me. I just, Eight and nine is probably where I see them ending up, and that's why I'm taking the under. Not by much, but just eight and nine is where I have them. But two is the most accurate quarterback uh, Tyree Kill's ever played for. How you gonna How you gonna diss him on that? Yeah, if Tyree Kill stays within thirty yards, <laughs> he's got Antonio Brown brain. If I see another right. clip of Tua underthrowing Tyree Kill at practice, I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> it, okay, I'm right actually on the button again. I went with over at nine and eight and it, I think I could go either way though. If we're going to talk about the jets and Zach Wilson being a catalyst on their success, you have to do the same thing with Tua and Tua really hasn't proven it yet. So until I can see it actually done, how rarely do we see teams really win through free agency and through trades? It's typically done in house. It's grown from within and what did this Miami Dolphins team have but no top 100 draft picks? And then because of that Tyreek Hill trade, they have no depth coming in this year. Now they don't have a first-round pick next year because of what happened with the Steven Ross thing. So I feel almost weird saying over because it feels like it might be a trap line, but I'm going to go very narrowly on the upside. New England then. Also, eight and a half is their win total going into the year. I'll keep it here with me on this one. This is a team that really didn't bring in that much in this offseason and then had a draft that really confused people at points. I don't know why I'm supposed to just buy in other than Bill Belichick when we don't know who's calling the offensive plays. We don't know who's going to replace guys like J.C. Jackson. Ted Karras, Kyle Van Noy. I think that this is an under for me. I don't think that this Patriots team is going to have nearly the same success. And I think you're going to see a second year slump out of Mac Jones. I have them at over, but for the exact opposite reasons as the Dolphins, I think I'm betting on Bill Belichick more than the players on the roster. And the reasons why are the three tight end offense he developed with absolute studs who you never knew about until they came onto the scene or just his great defenses over and over and over and over and over again. Cause he's a defensive genius. I don't bet against bill Belichick. I think nine and I nine, I have him at nine and eight. So I definitely don't have the Patriots as this great team that's going to do anything special. But if we're talking about the, like I, you could pretty much make an argument. If you have the dolphins at over, you got to have the Patriots at under and, vice versa based on the schedule and who you think the teams are, but they lose significantly on paper on defense, but Jabil preppers with, uh, with Bill Belichick is actually really interesting. That's a really interesting ad. Uh, Cause what you lose in JC Jackson and, and, and Van Van Noir or however you say his name, you kind of get a little bit of both worlds in Jabil preppers. <laughs> I don't hate Mac Jones. 
I don't love Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is good enough for Bill Belichick teams to to win them nine games. And that's how I feel about the Patriots. That's a it's a, those eight and a half over unders for the Dolphins and Patriots are are maybe going to be the hardest over unders in in the divisions we talk about. I think. So how Cole Strange do you feel about it, Stephen? I can see the Patriots hitting it right on the nose, being an eight and nine team, not hitting. How did the nobody over. catch that joke? Do you feel Cole Strange about it? Are you serious? I ignore. I actively ignored it. That's okay, you know, as long, I just needed to know that it was heard. I don't I need to it. see. That's all I needed. Carry on, Stephen. Please continue. You're gonna tell me the core of the jungle is not better than that shit, and it's Van Noy. Read a damn book, Wally. It's spelled Noir. That's how I thought it was always pronounced. I always say uh, Kyle Van Noir. Over his whole career, I've never heard anyone call him that. I don't know. I just feel like BYU kids would have a weird spelling name like that. Like you'd no, pronounce it. BYU is the doctor in English. You got to be better. That's, that's a, true. That's Dan Smith, John Smith, Zach yeah. Wilson. Who knows? Fair enough. I don't know. I don't care. Retracted. About Retracted. Players. Yeah. Jamal Williams, Jimmer Fredette. Kyle Van Noy. All right. I, I apologize. Retracted. About time. Uh, from what I've heard, Mac really isn't progressing as he should in year two. Defensive coach Matt Patricia, who they have, apparently has been calling the offensive plays during this offseason training camp or during this training camp. That can't be good. Like Wally said, their draft left us scratching our heads. You lose Stephon Gilmore and trade him because he's hurt. You lose J.C. Jackson, your two best defensive players, and you have the most expensive receiving core, and anyone outside of Boston, and I guarantee you in Boston, don't know who the receivers are outside of Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. Johnny Smith is leading the camp with the most targets to have the most expensive wide receiver room, and I and they also couple that with the tight end, so I think that's kind of misleading. But who is Matt going to throw to? I don't have any confidence in what this offense has, especially if you have fat Patricia uh, that is going to be calling the plays. I'm I'm not about that. I think the defense takes a little bit of a step back, and I have them just falling under the eight and a half. I'll have them at eight, and I, I'm not surprised if they're a seven and ten team. Last team in the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills. Their total is set at 11 and a half. I thought it was a little low, but David, we'll go to you first on this one. Where were you at on here? Do you think 11 and a half is a good number? I think it's a great number. Uh, and the reason why is I have them at 12 and five. And for one specific reason is I know for a fact, Josh Allen will play like the worst quarterback in the NFL three times this year. And they'll lose those games. And then they'll lose two games to like the chiefs or the Rams. And that's, those will be five losses. It'll be 12 wins. I'd take the over on them. You know, I don't think they're only going to, I think, I don't think they're going to go 11 and six. I think 12 is a good number for them. They might go 13, but you know, based on their schedule, based on how I know, like Josh Allen literally plays like a top five quarterback or the worst quarterback I've ever seen. And they're just bound to lose another game like they did last year to the Jaguars because of that. They're just bound to lose to a random team. Um, and that's why I have them at 12 and five, because I don't trust that they're going to be dominant every single game this season. Any given Sunday, Al Pacino, great movie if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I'm still having uh, some nightmares. <laughs> I lost a lot of parlays, teasers, straight up bets because of that damn Bills Jags game. Uh, hit me with that over. It's a hell of a start. Uh, you got what? You got the Rams, Miami, Baltimore, and Kansas City all before their week seven bye. 
Then after you got the NFC North and five other East matchups. So there's there's nine more games right there. And if they're truly the Super Bowl favorites, which they are right now at plus 600, this will be the true test. And if they can take that step forward. Vaughn Miller, I love the addition of Vaughn Miller. We'll see if that offense, what the offense will look like without having Brian Dayball there. The man who created the monster we see today that still has three bad NFL games to David's point. Totally agree with that. I, hit me with that over. I like the Bills. I'm on the hype train, the Bills Mafia. And I will be up there for the Bills-Browns game as well, David. People are going to die at that tailgate in pregame. So be careful. <laughs> I might be one of them. I'm, always... wearing, I'm wearing the LOD shirt. I'm staying neutral. <laughs> <laughs> see, when I think of Bills-Browns, I always think of that snowball game with Phil Dawson. What was it? You won like nine to three or something like that. Yeah, nine to six, nine to three. Yeah, just days. grossest environment you'd ever see. And it's just it it's perfect for those fan bases. They really I feel like there's a natural in, in respect between them. Or between Muni Lot and the, the Bills Mafia. It's two of the best fan bases out there. But I love Devon Miller move. I think that's going to push me well over. I have him at 13 and four. If he stays healthy and if he stays at that level, he's 33, 34. He's starting to get up there. But if he can give us one more year, this might just be the year to get the Bills really over the hump. I just think of them like the Steelers used to be, where to David's point, they'll go out and they'll beat the Rams. They'll beat the Chiefs this year. And then they'll lose to the Steelers at home or they will lose to the Jaguars on the road. It's just a, a team that sometimes feels like they lacked focus last year. And if they can get past that, I think that they blow this number out of the water. It's just a matter of, can they get that focus on the team? We'll see. Is it safe to say then, well, we'll recap all this in our season preview. Are the Buffalo Bills our AFC East winners? For sure. And it's not close. The The division won't be close. Uh, it's, I don't think anyone else other than the Bills wins 10 games. So uh, I think it's going to be close, but I'm, I'm, I'm so ridiculously high on the Dolphins and I'm just riding that. You, okay. know, you know me, Wally, and, you, and you'll learn this too, David. When I get, when I get fixated or stuck on a take, I will ride that shit to the ground. Well, Falcons are still going to, the Falcons are still going to be good. <laughs> In, in 2019 2020. season, Wally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I I think that the Bills win by like three or four games. The only way this gets closer is actually if it is such a blowout that the Bills really don't have any incentive to play games in late December and early January. And that would be the only way I think it gets close on the over-under as well. But the NFC East now. Let's start out with the D.C. guys, Washington Commanders. Interesting move. Just the other day, they fired their defensive line coach, Steve Mills, just a month before the year. But I'm sure many of you at home have seen it by now. Jeff Zagonina, I want to say is how you say it. Zagonia? He looks like a freak of nature. One of those, like, 1970s Notre Dame, like, defensive linemen that are just built like a farm boy on steroids somehow. And... It made sense. I don't even know who Sam Mills is, but it just made sense when I saw this guy. I'll give you mine first on this one. I have him barely hitting the over just because I think that this entire division, at least the the everybody except Philadelphia, I think is going to disappoint. And that means wins are going to go somewhere. And I think Washington, when they get Chase Young back, is going to be much more formidable on defense. 
I'm going to take them at just eight and nine, getting it done. Steve, we'll go to you first on this one. What are you thinking? I honestly have no confidence with this team. Ron Rivera is on the hot seat. Carson Wentz is fighting for his NFL livelihood uh, at this point in his career. And even, even in the easier division, the easiest division of football, I don't think that they can make that leap this year. You know, Chase Young, like you said, Chase Young, we're still waiting for him to get back. I want to take the under on this because what have you done lately for me, Washington? Most likely hit the under outside of a couple years here and there. I have the under as well. Um, I have them at 6-11 and 11, uh, on their schedule. And I hate the NFC East. The whole division sucks. If you moved them to harder divisions, they'd all be four-win teams. The whole division is the worst. Like, it's it's terrible. I hate them all. I I am not a Wentz believer. If he's in the right system, sure, he's good enough, like with the Colts. But it's Ron Rivera creating that system for him? Probably not. I won't. I'll hold off my hate on, on the system. But I just – I'm not a believer in this team. The D-line is fantastic. As the Browns showed you, you can have an incredible D-line and not do anything with it. So, you know, I I just don't. This team does nothing for me. Six wins feels right for them because um, they've got a better quarterback than three teams in the division. In this division, speaking of how crazy and just chaotic the NFC East is, there has not been a repeat champion in this division since 2003 and 2004. It's been almost 20 years. And it's not going to happen again this year, but we'll all wait to save that. For the end of this, right, we're on the same page there, big dog. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but the Giants under here, this is my game and a half under here. I have them at six and 11, like you guys do with Washington. I just think that the losses of guys like James Bradbury are going to mean a lot more than people expect. Yeah, I really did like their draft. And one of the guys, even late in that draft, I was in love with in college was Michael McFadden. They're going to have a lot of glimpses. I just think that, especially with that offense, until we actually get Danny Dimes to do it week in and week out, until we get Saquon Barkley to actually be able to stay on the field more than a week or two in a year, I don't think they're going to get it done. I still don't love the offense a lot or offensive line a lot. I don't see where the wins are going to come from. So I'm going to have them on the under there. I have them as the under as well, but I have them as way under seven and a half. I have them at four wins, legitimately four wins. Team's garbage will be for the foreseeable future. The cap is invested in wide receivers. QB isn't the guy, and it's clear. The last GM put them in such a tr- terrible position that I, I I don't even know where you go from there unless you get rid of everyone but your current draft picks. I just – it's kind of a dumpster fire right now. I You know, I, I don't see where the team's going to win games. Their offense is terrible. Saquon Barkley might be the worst pick in the entire draft that year. And I don't know, like, he's just, you know, I don't know where the talent, like where they win games. I love that take, by the way. Four games. No, I, I, the more I thought about it, I gave it like five seconds to marinate five seconds. And I think he's right because at least with the other guys, yeah, you strike out with Baker and Sam Darnold looking back, but you took a quarterback. You don't waste it on a running back in the top five. It makes you look a lot more dumb if you're taking Saquon and it doesn't work out than the way the Jets and Browns feel right now. That's why I think yeah. it, I might agree. New head coach, Brian Dable. They addressed the O-line kind of with Evan, the Evan Neal draft uh, draft pick. You got Kayvon Thibodeau that you brought in there. So you have, you have a nice couple uh, young town coming right in, but this is 
to your guys' point, must year for Saquon, must year for Daniel Jones. And Dable took that Bills offense that was a bottom four offense and turned it into what you see today with the progression of Josh Allen. They both came in the same year in 2018. And I would argue that he has more talent going into this situation than he did in the Buffalo Bills situation when he first got hired. They started acquiring talent over the over the next few years to help Josh Allen. But, and I get it, nothing's really that sexy on the roster, but you got Kenny Galladay. I like the wide receiver room. If you can keep Darius Slayton on the damn field, if you can keep Sterling Shepard on the field. We don't know who that tight end is. Are they bringing back Kelvin Benjamin for another tryout uh, like they did last year? You lose James Bradbury. I won't go as low as four wins like David, but I'll put them at six and they're still hitting the under. And I'm being nice, I think. That's the Brian Dayball effect. I'll give it two games, the Brian Dayball effect here. Putting offensive – here's the thing. There's plenty of examples of success where where coordinators go and get a head coach and they make the difference you're talking about. But there's been a lot of instances where they get overwhelmed. They're bad. They're just – you know, they're not in their role where they get to just focus on on one strategy, one thing. They got to worry about a million things, right? And the Bills' success lies with their GM and their head coach. Sean McDermott is a – an analytical mastermind with that GM and nobody talks about it, but he is, he, they're, they're both one, two fantastic for team building. Um, and McDermott's a great head coach and I dabble. Yeah. He makes, you know, he, he, you could argue he made Josh Allen's career, but if you took him away, would Josh Allen be significantly worse? I doubt it. You know, typically talent's going to prevail. I was super down on Josh Allen when he got drafted and he's, I think, Almost everyone was, but clearly his talent has prevailed and they found, you know, a role for him as a big arm run, a, a guy who can get outside the pocket and run and rush and, and whatnot. But I just yeah, they have Daniel Jones, I don't want to overhype dabble. He's, he's a good strategic offensive coordinator, but when you take on, that's like, that would be like going from, from middle management to CEO at a company you're, you got to worry about, bigger decisions. You can't spend all day worrying about your offensive strategy. You got to worry about both sides of the football, player personnel, your coaching personnel. You got to communicate with your GM. You got to communicate with your owner. You're like, you're doing eight times the workload and you saw the failure in Freddie kitchens at the Browns of getting a similar type role where he was, he filled in an offensive coordinator, did a phenomenal job, then got too much responsibility too quickly. And faltered just flatline i wouldn't compare kitchens to that that dude was a quarterback it's different, it's different but I, this is the over i don't want to overhype an offensive coordinator going into a head coach role he could be phenomenal i you know i'm happy to be totally yeah. wrong i just you know i this is why i don't believe in the giants i don't think there's anything there that gets me oh you know brian dabble's gonna go there and make daniel jones look like josh allen not a chance not a oh, chance. definitely not i don't want to say that but it's not like the bills had the greatest organization and they had such a but they had a lot of talent on defense when they got there. Yeah. And they had just drafted Josh Allen. Like that's a that team. I mean, you're you're talking about a team that had like that was just coming out of prime LaShawn McCoy when uh McDermott got there and and they still had an incredible defensive line. They had pieces. They they what they weren't a bad team on paper. They had a lot of good solid pieces that they built upon in a draft. You guys have had a, this like really nice like intelligent like debate and my yeah, dumb brain has a dumbass thought. No, I have a dumbass thought and I do and I'm not even lying. It is, but it I think it still holds a little water because of their success. 
My biggest concern is that the three of us are collectively very low on the Giants, and we're like three and a half at points or four games under the Vegas number. That makes me wonder what they're seeing that we're not seeing. Because for the most part, we've all been, whether it be a game or a game and a half, we're right on the total. We're way off this time. It's the NFC East. That's what Vegas is going on. It's unpredictable. They're all fucking trash, as I said before. They're not good football teams in most cases. There's one-off years where they have really, really good teams. And most years, they're all, like, fighting to be 500. And whoever gets to have the 7-9 and record gets to go to the playoffs. Yeah, they make it seem like that half the division doesn't finish with five or less wins every year for the past decade. I, I agree, Wally. Where the hell is this number coming from? This this is a division of Detroit Lions over-unders from last year. What did you think? I didn't even think we got to you yet. Oh, I already gave it to you. Don't worry about that. Yeah, okay. We've established we ignore each other on this show. But Philadelphia yeah. is the third team that we're going to be doing here. And I'm going to keep this one. I'm going to hog it for a second one. Or for a second, excuse me. Their total's nine and a half. It's going to be over. I am ready to get the Gluck Gluck 9,000 out. Just the, the extra, I'm ready to go all in for this team. I don't know why this number's so low. I had 12 and five, and I felt like I was like being mean, giving them the five loss I had. This is a team that brought in Hassan Reddick. You brought in James Bradbury, just what we're talking about, from a division rival. You have Kazir White, great guy that really stirred the drink in L.A. last year. And then you got A.J. Brown as well. This is a team that finally figured out its identity midway through the year, and now they only got stronger. And, yeah, you brought in those notable draft pick guys like Jordan Davis and Cam Jurgens. You got to see viral the other day as Jordan Davis basically put Cam Jurgens back on the bus in Nebraska. But – this is just a team that I can't find a problem with. The only problem would be is the passing game. And I don't think that it's going to be as bad as it was last year. With A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, I think it's going to be wide open, especially given how good this line is. I, again, I'll throw it over to you guys. I'm very high. I think this is the highest I can be for a team given the standard deviation out there. David, please go. First off, the passing game isn't going to be nearly as good as you think it is because Jalen Hurts is throwing the football. I don't think he's good. I think he's another guy who, if he plays well, they win the game. If he plays poorly, like they can't overcome. Uh, he's just not that good in my mind. He, they did a lot. Don't get me wrong. I have the Eagles at 11 and 6, but the Eagles are also the team that. I remember getting super hyped up for a roster on paper for the Eagles 10 years ago and watching them win like six games. So like, again, NFC East, for all I know, the Eagles could win four games and I'm super disappointed because I absolutely love the fat boys in the trenches at Philadelphia. I, I love them. And wide receivers are, are good again. And it's a revamp receiver room. You've got Miles Sanders, you've got, you know, uh, a slightly revamped defense. It's, I, I love them on paper, but it's the NFC East and I will never, ever, 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 ever trust a team from the NFC East to play as, as expected. Like I have them at 11 and six. Cause that's what I think, you know, if they play to their expectation, that's where I think they're going to be. But like, 
25th in passing offense. I last year, I mean, that's Jalen Hurts. That's not like, you know, you can have bad receivers. Aaron Rodgers is going to have bad receivers, but they're not going to be 25th in offense. Like I, I, you know, that's, that's quarterback. That's you're not getting better there. And that's the most important position on the team. You know, it's a make or break year for Hurts. He's, he's either the guy they stick with because they've got so much talent around them that it makes sense. Or they're in a sticky position where you don't have a quarterback, but you got a team like the Steelers that can suddenly win eight games and keep you in purgatory, an NFL purgatory where you've got talent, but you don't have the guy at quarterback to win you a Super Bowl. You know, I hear you, but I have my own sticky situation over here with the Philadelphia Eagles, <laughs> and I disagree. I just, I there's just so many questions I want to like ring past David. Would you rather have, would you rather have Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson then as your quarterback? Lamar Jackson, at least I get an elite threat somewhere instead of mid tier at both running and throwing. Who's in more pressure, two or Jalen Hurts? Then, oh Jesus Christ, that's wow, like that's a tough one though. That's a really tough one. And that two offense, has to be because it's it's been built up higher. I'm like one of the super hot or the like people think that Miami could be a Super Bowl team. I think most people don't see Philadelphia that way. I think I think I'd take Tua solely because he's the better passer, and in that offense, you've already got a good running back and you've got a good offensive line that can create room for the running back. It's not like you need a dual threat quarterback there. I I think I would take Tua over Jalen Hurts. I am so down on Jalen Hurts as an NFL quarterback. I just like I've, I don't think he's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope he proves uh, I hope uh, everyone I up that, that I shit on proves me wrong. Like I don't root for failure. I just don't think that he's the guy. <laughs> You're not rooting for failure. You're just rooting to be right. That's two different things. Uh but give me give me that over for Philly. That Cluck Luck 9000, like Wally, it's better from him. Side note, his favorite movie is Twister, pun intended. That's why uh, that's why you'd rather go to Wally than myself. A unit that ended up being dominant, finding that identity was on the ground last year with the back half of the season, they averaged 230 uh, rushing yards, which I think that, that in itself is going to be why that 25th passing offense looks that best because they, for some reason, thought that they were a passing team for the first half of the season until they're like, oh, shit, we, we should run the ball. We have a good offensive line, and now you have good receivers to use. Uh, I don't think that they're it's going to blow the offense out of the water and make them you know, a top three, top five unit in the passing game, but they're, they're going to be better than they were last year. They trade for A.J. Brown. The Bradbury Hassan Reddick is awesome. Jordan Davis putting him next to Fletcher Cox. Have fun trying to run the ball against that team while they're also running the ball right down your throat with that offensive line and who they have being able to run the ball. If it's either Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders, who are who are the other like two or three guys that they had um, in there? Because obviously you got Jalen Hurts that can that's going to be able to run it. Uh, number thirty, I can't know. I don't know why I'm blanking on his name right now. Are you talking about running backs? Yeah. But see, the only ones I got up here, you have Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott as well. Boston Scott and yeah, Kenneth Gainwell, you threw that in there. So I think with that focus of being a run first offense is going to open up the passing game more. That's going to be able to allow them to, you know, to be a f- complete offense. I have them. Sorry, spoiler. I have them winning the division. Don't care. I've, I like Philly. I know how Wally is. That's why he looks like uh, Randy from the episode of South Park. When they lose, uh, they lose internet. He goes and watches hentai porn. If you haven't seen it, uh, you need to. Um, They'll just have to watch this back. 
I'll, I'm, I'll watch it back myself. It's just perfect. That's what all I need to do is hear someone talk about the Eagles right now. I got. The I do Eagles like winning the division too, but I still Let's hate go. the NFC East. With fly okay. Eagles, fly baby. Okay, I won't go that far, but the Cam. <laughs> the, like, like, still fuck Philadelphia, but I yeah, think they have a really you know, good football team. Really ruin it. I, if, if it weren't for the fan base, I think I could really, really get sold on Philly. <laughs> yeah, you send them into a neutral site, just have them play in Bermuda this year. I'm the biggest guy. I'll have a jersey. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. The Cam Jurgens Jordan Davis video that that got surfaced this week, where Jordan Davis made him look like just like a little boy. What was it, Pop Warner versus NFL? What I liked is Jordan Davis had came out in a presser and said, "Amen." You know what? That was one play. You don't. I don't see the plays where he was actually blocking me. It was just that one play that he got me. Yeah, I beat him on. You know, I beat him on a couple. He beats me on a couple. So I like. I like the youngsters. They were drafted together. They have to stay close knit regardless of what side of the O-line or what side of the line that they're on going up, going up against each other. I mean, talk about sexually confused. I was seriously the biggest fan of Cam Jurgens coming out of school. You guys probably heard me talk about it here. And when I was on big T- or pigskins and nylon, I was all about Cam Jurgens. I really wanted him to fall to a point where the Raiders might even draft him. So yeah, I was a little concerned when I realized that he looked like a child next to Jordan Davis. But I think we also have to understand that Jordan Davis was going full, like 100%. And Cam Jurgens, he does get the better of him at some reps. That just wasn't his. The beauty of that is I love the humility. I love athletes Amen. who are humble. There's nothing better than a, than a humble athlete who's who's fighting for his guys no matter what, right? But the the beauty of that, that rep is, is when you're talking about the size difference and the – potential strength difference. I don't really know what the strength difference is, but definitely the size difference, right? All it takes is one, one misstep on Cam Jurgens' part to get slightly off balance for him to look like that on a play. That's all it takes, right? And so he's a rookie against a guy he's, you know, against a guy that the size of somebody he probably has never faced, if not very little in his career, uh, in college at least. And, you know, he's going to learn. And, and, He'll learn and it won't happen. I guarantee you something like that doesn't happen again to him because all it is is getting slightly off your center of gravity and not pumping your feet as an offensive lineman. Like that is footwork and center of gravity, the whole position. Whole position is footwork and center of gravity. And if you make one misstep, you look like that in practice. So I love I love that um, Jordan Davis stuck up for him. It was like, what you guys don't see is us battling. But like that was one play. But I also... Everyone needs to know that that's that doesn't mean Cam Jurgens is going to be bad. Just exactly. means that you know one bad play because he's young and learning. The thing that baffled me the most about the video is I don't think I have ever seen an offensive lineman in the NFL look like that. I mean, he went for the double foot plant, jumping up like three times. He's lucky he didn't tear like an Achilles or an ACL or or get folded over and just completely bull rush during that. But to see two grown men go go with that, and that was the result on the offensive lineman part, that was mind blowing. But at least he doesn't Davis. have to like be a day one starter too. Cam Jurgens is in the greatest job in the world. He gets to be a utility interior offensive lineman and go to wherever he need or is needed, and he has very good professionals around him, and that's only going to help too. I mean, he's learning behind one of the best centers we've seen in a long time. So. 
I do have faith. I think we'll get we'll be fine with Cam Jurgens out there in Philly. And Jason team. Kelsey was Jason Kelsey was jazzed when they picked Cam Jurgens. He was on a live show, I want to say with Adam Lefko, who does the bleacher report stuff. And Kelsey was so jacked up that they got him. So hopefully, I don't know, maybe they maybe he plays a little bit of guard and he can just learn, or maybe he overtakes the, the Kelsey role and Kelsey bumps over to guard. I think it's going to be one of those things that they're just expecting Kelsey to hang it up at the end of the year. And they have a ready-made starter ready next year when that happens. It's like you get another draft pick next year. So that's really cool. But the last team we have here in the NFC East, last year's champions, the Dallas Cowboys. Their win total is set at 10 and a half. And just I'll keep it short and simple for you guys. I have the under. They really lost a million things this year. Didn't get any better. And I have no reason to believe that they're going to be able to beat that Philadelphia Eagles team we were just talking about. Who wants to take it first? There's not much more you can say. They lost. They, again, another team that screwed themselves by paying an irrelevant position. They are going to suffer the consequences of the cap as long as Ezekiel Elliott is getting paid. And that's tough. I have them at nine and eight, and it's because Dak Prescott is good enough to win them nine games without a real roster around them. I mean, they didn't lose a whole lot on defense. You lose a great player, but they didn't lose a whole lot of collective players, but they lost a lot on offense. They lost a boatload. And I think Dak Prescott's good enough to keep them just above 500, but I have them at nine wins. I don't think they're – I think they're going to be – a lot worse than maybe most people expect, but I have them at the under at nine and, and it's, it's only because I think Dak Prescott can win them nine games is good enough to win them nine games. That running back room is trash and that's overpaid. You have one amazing receiver. The offensive line is like, it looks like Swiss cheese compared to what it was five years ago. I, I don't know. They, they the Cowboys confuse me. That's, that's one that could, now, they could win 11 games, hypothetically, if, if everything comes together, but I don't see it. I think nine is, is right about where they end up. They're in a better division with less talent on the roster, a head coach that's one foot out the door. We just said James Washington is hurt. Michael Gallup's not going to be able to – he's on the PUP list. He not, might not be able to be ready till week seven. He traded Amari. They have Tony Pollard taking reps as a slot guy. Trayvon Diggs is getting burnt by every receiver. That wouldn't be a six-string receiver – at Ohio State, hope you like that reference. They lost a lot, and all they did this offseason to show for their losses was sign Anthony Barr to a one-year contract. Solid linebacker, but someone who's missed 20 games over the past two years. You cannot tell me that Dallas right now looks like a 10 or even an 11-win team. McCarthy is out by their by their halfway point of the week nine bye week. Wow, Am that's I missing a call. Something? You're going Mike McCarthy's out by the bye week, huh? We got the we got the Bucks, Bengals, Giants, Washington, Rams, Eagles, Lions, Bears, all before the week. Wow, that's that, that's at week. best a four and four, at best if four that. and four. And if you and if you tell me you start zero and two going to that Giants game with some pressure going up to New York, and Good maybe they're going to be one of those, maybe maybe that New York will pull out a a rabbit out of the hat like the Denver and uh, Panthers of last year start up three and zero, then kind of shit the bed. What if Dallas starts zero and two, zero and three? Yeah, Jerry Jones doesn't sit 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 with that well. That Dan Quinn's gonna be knocking that door saying, "Hey, hey there, Jerry." 
think it's I think it's my time to right. crack it's, at it. It's one of those. Let me be teams a placeholder until you get Sean Payton next year. Ooh, I don't want to think about that. Sean Payton to the Cowboys would upset me. It's gonna happen. It's just yeah. a ticking time bomb. Yeah, it's gonna upset me a lot. Dude, that would be the most Dallas Cowboy thing of all time. Is that they go twelve and five this year, but like aren't a good twelve and five? Win a lot of stupid games they shouldn't justify not being able to fire Mike McCarthy and then Sean Payton goes and takes a job somewhere else. That yeah. would be no, the most could, cowboy thing ever. No, you get a home playoff game again, you lose to the, exactly. to the lowest seed in the like playoffs. You win the that's, division. that's a good reason to get them out. Yeah, they'd, like they'd win the division but somehow lose to like the Eagles in the division round at home and it would be like an extra twist in the knife. Yeah, go fuck off and go smash a watermelon with a sledgehammer at your house, Mike McCarthy. I'm not cleaning that shit up. That's from all my. That's from all the janitors in the Dallas locker room, and that's gonna bring us yet again to another to the end of another episode of Lost of Down. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media platforms: Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Lost of Down. Of course, our Twitter down underscore loss. Remember, this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com and Abby Turner Creative. Don't forget about those loss of down shirts. We did kind of gloss over, forget to gloss over one thing. Those people that are out of town, there may be some shipping charges that we have it on there. So maybe the $20 is a little bit more of the 25, 30 range. We will get that to you. We will make sure we get that squared away. Wally, yeah, David, what do you have for me? Wally, what's your smart ass have to say? No, I was going to say, we'll, we'll definitely do our best to get make it as cheap as possible. We're going to do our best to get everybody's in person if we can. So I think it should be a no problem for most of you. Uh, as for final topics, all I would say is recipes, Vin Scully, best ever to do it. That was a real shame. And then last but not least, I'm very excited to get to the NFC West because if you follow us on Twitter, David and I are going to go in on Geno Smith versus Drew Locke. There I will hate not you so be much. There will not be a podcast in America that gets more in-depth on Drew Locke versus Geno Smith. I can promise you that. That's not a really good selling point, but... Is that not? Is this not... Are you not entertained? Outside of Seattle, Um, I don't think you will be. (laughs) My parting words are, uh, one, fuck the NFC East, two, fuck Geno Smith, and three, buy the loss of down shirts. (laughs) I like that. Woo. I, I agree with all three. I, I don't know. I like Geno Smith. He's kind of a nice guy, but I'm kind of just uh, throwing, throwing gas on the fire at this point. Tell that to his team. He is, Dave. he is David. He is Wally. I am Steve. Until next week, we'll have, an, we'll have a week of preseason underneath, and then we can really decide how good the Patriots are going to be. You're a loser. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm a loser? Is that why I caught a fat dub in the SYP this last week? Oh, I hated that. SYP. SYP on LOT. Oh my god, we're stopping at that.